world is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. That was White Stripes with We're Going to Be Friends. And I think we're going to be friends, guys. Thanks for listening to Jeremiah Wonders tuning in. You would not believe how long it took me to get that song right. That's strumming for whatever reason. (laughs) But your boy put in the painstaking time for your listening pleasure. How was everybody's week, huh? We good? You swinging back into that new year? Getting back into the swing of things, huh? Yeah? Feeling better? Setting all those New Year's resolutions, huh? Sticking to them? Anybody quit any of theirs already? <laughs> Want to give you a little update on the, the Reagan Watkins album. We just designed our album cover with our buddy Kai Aarons, and uh, we have a couple labels that are interested, so we are uh, sending them back and forth, uh, getting some notes and that kind of stuff, and... Hopefully this thing will be released in February. That's the goal. Maybe March now. Man, everything takes way longer than you'd like, but it's quality, and there's a lot of love in it, so you guys are going to enjoy the crap out of it, I think. Email jeremiahwonders at gmail.com. Send music submissions and your kindness challenge letters there. Speaking of music submissions, every week our buddy DJ McCray at DJ McCray on Twitch. Check him out there. Spinning most nights of the week. He sends in an original mix to preview the episode that's about to happen. Here's a sneak peek of what's to come. Take a dump on my fat chest. Take a take a dump. Keep it keep it keep it going. Take a take a dump. Keep it going. Keep it going. Feels good, right? Feels feels good, right? It feels pretty good. Feel, feels good, right? Now I have now I have now I have cadaver bone. Oh hell yeah! One of my favorite sax talks yet. <laughs> Can I have a Jew card every once in a while? <laughs> Yes, those mixes get me so pumped for the episode. I want to thank the sponsors of the show real quick. Speedweed, at Speedweed Gino. Hit him up on Twitter, that sticky icky delivery service of Mary Jane. Bronxborn Pizza, at Bronxborn Pizza in Bend, Oregon. Thomas Schiffer hooking it up. There's also a gray block that's owned by him in Santa Monica. Check that out. Their bagel crust pizza is to die for. And Minchie Music in Pennsylvania for hooking your boy up with, that's right, a brand new saxophone at Minchie Music, at Decomatic, and Seth M710 on Instagram. Thank you to those guys for making it happen. And if you watch the video version of this, you'll actually see me play it during Sax Talk for the first time during this episode. If you'd like to sponsor the show, please email jeremiahwonders at gmail.com. I'm selling airtime. That's right. You can buy 30 seconds of airtime on Jeremiah Wonders, and I will read whatever copy you'd like me to read. Or you can support the show at jeremiahwonders.com. There is a PayPal donation button if you'd like to uh, do that. Uh, if not, totally cool. But if you could support me by going over to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review this podcast. We're like almost at 300 reviews. I want to get to 500 reviews in the next couple months. A boy can wish, right? I feel like I'm pressing fast forward on me talking. Just blah, 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 blah. I'm excited, guys. Actually, while I read some tour dates, I'm going to play some music from a sketch that Jake and I referenced later in this episode that we did uh, a few years back called 
cat group. Look it up on YouTube. Hey, itty bitty little kitty cat girl, you know I think of you daily. You're the only pussy on my mind that mashed potatoes to my gravy. Do you take this cat North Carolina, January 10th through 12th. Yes, we will be there with Kill Tony and doing stand-up shows. And I will be doing uh, stand-up on the spot Tuesday, January 15th. Got a killer lineup there with Joe Rogan, Whitney Cummings, Jeff Ross, and Josh Wolf and myself. And then uh, we also have uh, a couple shows in February, February 5th and 26th. On the, Those are Tuesdays, the first Tuesday and last Tuesday of the month in February. And we are doing stand-up and Kill Tony shows in Phoenix, January 25th and 26th. And Kill Tony Europe, February 13th through 17th. Ireland, London, and Manchester. I could not be more excited to go to Europe. Never been there before. I want to thank Gage T Arena for the audio and video editing on this podcast as well. He's my boy hooking it up, coming to you from Texas. Very funny comic from there. Check him out. See him live around Texas. Moving out here in the spring. It's happening, guys. Uh, I've known and done comedy with our guest today for a very long time. We talk about the show he stars in corporate on Comedy Central and the process behind selling a TV show. Uh, we got some great phone calls and definitely one of my favorite sax talks ever. So without further ado, please welcome Jake Weissman to Jeremiah Wonders. <laughs> You like this shirt that I'm wearing? Yeah, I really like it. It looks familiar. <laughs> it almost seems like it's an advertisement for the show that we're on right now. Wait, what? I, I had uh, somebody, uh, my one of my buddies, Justin, sent me this, and this was like a beta of like, he sent me some different designs, and I'm like, I don't think we're going to put this out there. It's sparkly. It's sparkly it's red. Like red nail polish. Yeah. Um, what I'm wondering is, when you were coming up with the title... The ellipses. Did you have an argument with yourself back and forth? Like, do I put a dot, dot, dot? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You were like, and you, you like probably showed it to people were like, is it better without? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely some of that. Yeah. And, and now it's history. I liked it with the dots. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. They're kind of like rosary beads a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I There's think. There's like a spiritual really element to it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Jake Weissman here on the podcast today from Comedy Central's Corporate. Yes. Hey, we're buddy. doing it. How we're are doing you, it. Man? We're finally doing it after years of knowing each other and having conversations and working together. We're doing it. I know it's happening. You uh, you did one of my uh, my favorite old sketches uh, from a, a while ago that we did in my garage, I believe. In your garage, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in your fun. garage and in your your place. Uh, and it was um, it was a, a sketch about cats, and we did different cat music videos. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> that was really fun. Was I? Did I? have spinal surgery at that point was that post or pre uh it was oh, i was right it was right before or after because i know that you were still in pain uh-huh yeah <laughs> i think it, might it was have, it was somewhere yeah yeah around. i think i think i was in a lot of pain making that i'd like to watch it and watch myself in pain yeah <laughs> just like look at the the inner pain in your eyes <laughs> yeah exactly that was fun and then you had to have that took like a long I had a long post-production life. It, it you had did. to like spend a lot of time making that. Well, because uh, uh, our friend um, uh, Carlos, uh, he did the animation for it, and that's what I was waiting on forever. Wow. Anytime you work with somebody on animation, you have to expect a lot of extra time, because yeah. that takes... Yeah, animation is its own... <laughs> Isn't it amazing world. how hard it is to make anything? Dude, if anything gets made... <laughs> 
It's incredible. Yeah, it's like I, I totally understand people who don't make things like being at home, having jobs, getting paid a good amount of money to do whatever job they're doing, and then they watch something stupid online, then being like, you should kill yourself. Like, I get it, but I don't think they understand how hard and painful it is to make something that's just okay. Yeah, just mediocre. It takes sometimes years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't think they have any... Like, especially, they, they never think the person reading the comments like, I spent three years of my life on this. They want me to kill myself? Yeah, now. three years. I mean, and I spent all my money, and I was lost the entire time emotionally, and I was sure it was the wrong idea, but I'd gone way too far down that hole, and I had to finish it just to prove to myself I could finish it. Yeah. And now you hate me. But that's kind of what we deserve for getting into comedy anyway. Well, we kind of uh, have to expect that there's going to be some challenges like that <laughs> yeah. along the way. <laughs> like yeah. We kind of signed up for that Like yeah. whenever we did that. Uh, what was uh, what was the reason behind uh, your spine surgery whenever you had that? I just have Jewish bones. I'm 100% oh. Jewish uh, genetically, and that's tough sometimes. That's essentially inbreeding. <laughs> All right, we get it. You're the chosen one. <laughs> hey, what's going on? I'm chosen. It is weird. I, have, I did date women in college who told me I was going to hell, but I was a chosen one, and that did make me more attractive, um, which the I chosen was also... I love that. <laughs> um, I just had really bad bones and um, I had a herniated disc, but the pain was in my leg um, because apparently p- stu- there's nerves connected to your spine and that can go all over your body. So I wanted to have my leg amputated because I was in so much nerve pain, but it turns out it was all just like my spine moved like this much, like a tiny, like a, like a smidge, uh, like a, one of my bones. And so I had a herniated disc and I had to have it removed and now i have cadaver bone and rods in my back and i don't know i'm one percent someone else really yeah because that bone i don't know the bone is now fused with my bone and i never found out who the cadaver was i they, wonder if they it don't was tell a, you or they don't why not i don't know and it's so it's so upsetting because like what a bit i could have you know i could be one percent pro golfer dude you could be one percent superman christopher reeves yeah bones yeah but then i'm not all the way jewish anymore yeah so maybe keep them on the deal. Yeah, you don't, don't want know. the other people knowing yeah. that you're not a purist anymore, man. But I do have different bones in here. And so that's cool. Um, it was a nightmare. I can never run on pavement again. Um, oh, because, really? Yeah, I have to be very careful. But what's cool about it is my back is bad now. I mean, it's fine. But it's like I'm like I have like metal rods in my back. So now I never have to move anything again. Like a- anytime someone is like I have to like like I don't have to be a gentleman anymore. Because everyone's worried about my back, sure. you know? So I don't... Like, seven-year-olds can pick up things I can't pick up now. Go, and it's great. Go get that. Yeah, I get treated like an old man while I still look young, which is pretty ideal. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what we want. Because yeah. we want the power and the wisdom of being an old person, mm-hmm. but not the actual... No, I don't want to deal with... I don't I don't want to be old. Yeah. The, the further I go... I don't know if you look at your fam- how old your family is. My dad's 85. And when my dad's just about to be uh, 70. Yeah. And it's when I look at 85 and I love my dad, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a cane. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have to wear a tablecloth for a bib, you know, because the food gets everywhere. I'd like to be gone before. Uh, I tell my wife that all the time. She hates it. That's what love is, is promising someone you'll kill them when they're 70 in their sleep. I've already had I've already <laughs> had conversation I'm like if I ever get to a vegetative state for oh. whatever reason, 
immediately pull the plug. I think Terry Schiavo was a was a watershed moment for the country because it forced spouses to talk to each other about like what they would do in that situation. Yeah. And almost everyone I know is like, oh, end me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't keep me alive. You That's insane. You don't want other people seeing you no. in, in that. Yeah. No. That's terrifying. Oh, God. I, I just... And also, I don't want them to have to come to the hospital and look at me and whisper think secrets into my ear that they never told me and expect that I'm going to wake up and give some final words that'll give them meaning to their whole life. It's like, no, I'm just going to wake up well, and fart. <laughs> okay, let's play that out. So, <laughs> so you're in the hospital. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, you have loved ones around you. You're, let's say you're, you're 93. You made it to 93, Jake. Okay. And I'm coming to visit you at the hospital. You know, we've, uh, we've, we've done years of comedy together. We've, uh, we've, uh, we ended up going on double dates in the future. <laughs> we, we had a skiing trip to Aspen together. We built up a, like a big friendship. We shot more cat sketches. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just all that stuff. And uh, I'm at your bedside, and uh, I'm pretty heartbroken, and, and I lean in, and uh, I say, Jake, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've always had something on, on my heart that's been laying heavy on me for years, and I wanted to tell you before you go that I always wanted to be you. Oh, that would be so upsetting. <laughs> That would just be so upsetting because it's like, you could have had me. Like, I would have given you everything so early. Like, I would have been like, oh, what a relief. It's so exhausting to be me and just to have all these feelings. I would have given you my name and everything. It would be a devastating situation. But then, what about me would you have wanted to be, do you think? Um, do you want to know what it's like to be Jewish for a little bit? Yeah, what, yeah what's that like? It's interesting. I'll tell you the best part of it. Please. Um, I'm a Gentile. And I've, I, I've done... I, no, I know. I know. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And you're very tall and wonderful. And like, you seem to be pretty happy, um, all things considered, you know. Um, the best part about it, about being Jewish, is that you're white but different. And so it's like, it's like okay, I'm like, yeah, I'm super white. Like, I've gotten all of the good things from being white, but also... At any point, I can just be like, but I'm Jewish, so you don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like it's sort of a, it's like being from this town in the middle of Europe, and then wherever you go, you meet another, if you meet someone else from that town, it's like, oh my God, the food in our town, should we talk about it? And our language isn't different, except it has a kind of annoying, insistent accent, you know? And we get, we gesticulate a lot, and we get, so really, it's great for that. When you meet other Jews anywhere, it's like, oh my God, you you're Jewish, so am I. And we have nothing to really say, except that we both love bagels and cream cheese, but are lactose intolerant. You know what I mean? So it's like kind of like just a, a shared pain situation. Um, but it's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. I That's, recommend that it. That sounds fun. I'll let you start calling try yourself that? Jewish. Yeah. Can I have a Jew card every once in a while? Yeah, honestly, if anyone can, it's you. I would love I would love if on stage you just started talking about your Judaism <laughs> and never explained that you converted. So I have this uh, ongoing joke on this on this show uh, because uh, do you know the comedian George Perez? No. I, okay, so I always uh, I always tell the listeners, uh, don't say anything to George Perez because I want to keep this thing going. Uh, he has thought that I'm Jewish oh, for years that. and I have never corrected him. And he always talks about my Jewish nose and all this stuff. Says some quasi uh, racist Jew stuff around <laughs> me. And I'm just like, 
<laughs> and, I, and I was like, yeah, that's us, you know? <laughs> like, I just keep it going because he says, like, stuff and, like, people will be like, are you Jewish? Like, after he leaves the room, like, no, dude, he just thinks. And I also can. Jeremiah has a biblical. So, right. Yeah. So there's, like, some murky waters there. Yeah. So I just k- keep it going. But... <laughs> That is so beautiful. And it feels good, right? It feels pretty good. It feels like you're in on something. Well, uh, it feels like I'm on like in a Jewish mafia or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's good. It's mainly, I get it honestly whenever I'm on the road in, you know, ironically, like Southern like areas or the Midwest or whatever. People think I'm Jewish solely because I didn't even know this. This is really amazing that we're talking about this. Yeah, I I get that I look Jewish a lot strictly because of my nose um i have i just heard a call is coming in oh really yeah that's interesting um yeah it's crazy i can uh, hear it hello oh yeah it's shown up on my uh caller id uh hello uh the name isn't shown up hello who is this hi jeremiah yes this is moisha levenstein from the jewish investigative journal and essentially what we do is we track people who claim they're jewish but they're not and um we heard that you're all over the South with your big nose and just saying you're Jewish. Um, are you? Like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Uh, well, I'm not technically claiming to be Jewish. People are more identifying me as Jewish, and I'm not necessarily correcting them. Uh-huh. And is that because you want to be Jewish or you just want to get the benefits of being a Jewish? Uh, I would love the benefits of being a Jewish, uh-huh. but, uh, it's more of, um, it's more of a problem sometimes to correct people uh-huh. than to let them know, uh, what I actually am. Um, what do you think about Israel-Palestine? Uh, I'm, I'm pro-Israel. Oh, are you pro-Israel? I'm, I'm pro-Israel. Well, I'm not, but, uh, I'm actually a Nazi and, uh, not from the Jewish investigative journal. I'm from the Nazi faith. Journal, Jews are bad. Wait, wait, wait! But you said your name's Moisha. My mind is blown. Um, well, I'm a self-hating Jew. Wait, then I think you actually are Jewish. I was just wondering if you wanted to hook up. <laughs> oh, um, I'm, not, I'm working in therapy. I'm being more direct, and it's not working. Uh, I, I think you're actually doing a pretty good job, uh, except the first part of the, the call. You really got to where you wanted to be going uh, with this. So you are a Jew that's a secret Nazi that is also looking to hook up. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's just say uh, the feelers have been put out there and they've been received. And let me sit on that. And Can I call you back later, maybe? No. Nah. Perfect. All right. That was Moisha, everybody wow. who called in. Uh that was uh, your listeners are interesting. Well, I have a, a broad range of <laughs> yeah. listeners. We get, I mean, dude, we get celebrities that call in. We get, uh, you know, secret Nazi Jews that call in. Uh, it's pretty interesting. No, one thing that legitimately, if I were to say <laughs> of a quality of yours that I wish that I was more of, that I'm actually working on in my standup is being more direct and blunt with how I feel about things like emotion and stuff like that. You're very good at expressing that on stage. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I feel like oh, your standup is, I, I think we both probably envy different things. The other person does. I mean, that's so much of standup is yeah. like when someone can do something, you, you see can't, a you're quality, like, you're like oh. oh, I wish I could do that. What I do is stupid. You know, um, I, it's interesting because 
I think that's part of what I find funny about stand-up in general or about comedy in general is literally just we live in a world where you're not really supposed to say how you feel. Like that's not encouraged a lot of the time. A lot of school, a lot of um, religious school is sort of being like, I know how you feel. But there's a bunch of people who think you shouldn't say that because it would disrupt society. And so I think a large part of what comedy is, is just saying your feeling um, and seeing people react and like sort of being able to sit with that discomfort of their potential, their potential discomfort and being able to be calm about that, building up this tension and then letting it, letting the punchline sort of dissolve it. I think that's a lot of what comedy is, is like intense, 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 and then Here's the joke. I mean, that's essentially what Bill Burr is a master at. I mean, at. he's obviously the, yeah. the, the I mean, king of just that. Presenting something that's super uncomfortable, but by the end, when it gets to the punchline, just that resolve of like, wow, how are we on the same page when we were in a different book just a yeah. second ago? And I think it's interesting. I think also with your style or sort of your point of view, that could be a really fascinating sort of dichotomy going on i've been experimenting with i've been doing it more and more uh in my stand-up the longer you know as our careers go on and whenever i do it right it gets a very big response because i have a lot of silly bits yeah so whenever i'm real and raw with the audience they're like where is this coming from and i think i could see it going either way for you because you are also so physical as well yeah but that's so interesting i mean that's like a really fascinating thing to explore because you are so nice like you are you at least like you you are a extremely nice person and you're very sweet to people and you're gregarious but inside there's a darkness oh and i think people don't necessarily know that and wouldn't necessarily know that unless you showed it to them yeah yeah no i uh especially some of my late night sets uh like at the comedy store and stuff like you know yeah you can say say whatever so like (laughs) that's whenever i'm experimenting with some of the dark stuff where people are like oh my (laughs) aren't you the (laughs) the sort of mascot around here that's naked a lot (laughs) (laughs) that's me yeah but uh yeah it's funny to think actually of like i'm thinking of like sports mascots like because they're the silliest people but yeah. just how dark they must feel da, they're like da, 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 i'm an da, da, adult da, da. in a costume and i want to kill <laughs> dude also imagine the amount of of mascots who wanted to play oh, that's a good point yeah. dude just like just like them dancing like with the cheerleaders da, 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 da. it should have been me out there it's <laughs> so bitter and angry like okay yeah i'll go slam dunk this basketball <laughs> on the freaking trampoline but i shouldn't be doing it outside of this stupid outfit yeah, that like, i'm in i could have been a harlem globetrotter <laughs> yeah did you just see the flip that i did in that dunk <laughs> i'm so athletic just give me a shot put me in yeah but uh it's interesting that yeah, it's nice that we're friends because we are seemingly so different. But down, I bet we're the down under. Down under, the you've, same. Oh, you have no idea. We're the same. Some of the the what did I say, dude? Uh, some of the the text message conversations uh, that you and I have sent back and forth are some of my favorites. <laughs> oh, I'm actually not remembering them. Can you can you <laughs> give me sort of one of just the most recent one that I loved was uh just because they're always kind of bizarre. They're yeah. very bizarre. Oh, oh, I now know what you're so talking about. So we we were at the <laughs> we were at the <laughs> the back of the show, uh, where we started sending each other pictures of other people like around us 
And it slowly kept getting closer and closer to us. And then like it started being different body parts. And like Jake just sends me a picture of his eyeball. Meanwhile, we're watching. He's about to go on like in a little bit. And I'm just like watching the show. And we keep getting notifications of the weirdest picture messages <laughs> and like emoticons and stuff like that. It's just uh, You know what's funny? Because no one would have any idea if looking at us that we were doing that. Right. And something I think about a lot, actually, when I'm in public... Because this has happened to me a bunch. Sometimes I'm in public, let's say let's say Tender Greens, at a restaurant, Tender Greens. And it's sort of just this bit, you wouldn't, there's tons of people in there. But in any space, there's a decent probability that there's people who've known each other in there, um, who've gone on dates, you know, who have fucked each other but don't talk to each other anymore, have gotten into fights, but they won't necessarily acknowledge each other. And there's no way to know in that space how they're connected. And I always want to know when I go into certain spaces, because I've been in grocery stores where I've like sort of carted past people that maybe we don't want to talk to each other. Yeah. And a a person down the aisle has no idea that we know each other or have kissed each other or hate each other for some reason. And I would pay all the money in the world just to know everyone's, the way everyone's linked in a different public setting anytime I'm there. That would be my superpower would just be that I could, if I could wish it, is to be in a public space and know how all the people are connected. I mean, that almost sounds like a Black Mirror episode yeah. where you have a visor on and then you're looking out at a mass of people and you see their connections. I think about that all the time because it's so weird that we're sending this to each other, but both of us have sort of amiable, sort of like affable smiles on our face watching the show. We're sending each other stuff that if it were sent to anyone else in that room, they might call the cops. Well, we were we were, we were joking <laughs> later that if anybody found that text message chain, like oh, yeah. if we died later that night, like in a car crash or something, like then they looked at our previous text messages, they'd be like, is this a suicide note? What is this? Yeah. Like, well, like, it's like a mystery that's unsolved. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. There would be a documentary about it. Yeah. I do think that sometimes when people die and there's different, like, um, there's different, like, excavations of their last emails or last texts. If it were a comedian, it, it's impossible to understand because we're telling each other to, like, kill each other yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time. Just yeah. our humor is so dark and we don't see reality of other people's. Or, like, we're talking about sex in such different ways that you could come up with so many different reasons the person died that weren't true just because I just, out of affection, I sent my friend a message being like, oh, just kill yourself. It's yeah. like, whoa, I guess he wanted to kill himself. Tonight on 60 Minutes, <laughs> we have the last text message known to have been sent out by Jake Weissman. <laughs> he sent it out to a fellow comedian, Jeremiah Watkins. A Jew. A Jew. A known <laughs> Jewish comedian. A known Jewish superstar comedian on the rise. And here is the text message. What does this mean? Take a dump on my fat chest. Now let's analyze the words in this <laughs> text message. These were his last words right before he was killed. How do we investigate what was going through the mind of Jake Weissman? It's it honestly would be confusing. Just of yeah. the the her- the amount of times I've texted people about 9/11, <laughs> like they would just think I'm a terrorist or something like that. Yeah. Well, I hope that never happens. Yeah, totally. Uh <laughs> Uh, I want to ask you about this because this is just kind of fascinating, I think. Uh, You have a show that's about to be going into its second season, Corporate, on Comedy Central. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. I watched um, 
to be totally honest, I watched the first episode of the first season that you sent me and the first episode of the second season. That's great. Yeah. That's more than a lot of people have. I mean, <laughs> I wanted to do a little bit of research on the show. Mm-hmm. I actually felt, I was like, this is so cool that this is this is my research for this episode. I, know, I get right? to watch a buddy's TV show. It's a pretty it's, good life once you get it. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm watching it and... I'm noticing so many comedians that it, like, which is very cool that you guys have done that. Like, there's so many funny people that we know that are involved in the show. Now, whenever you're you're writing this pilot and stuff like that with Matt Ingebrigtsen, how does that get to the point where they're like, "We're gonna greenlight this"? Like, how long of a process is that? Take me through that. Basically, you first you pitch the show. Usually, mm-hmm. what happens is you pitch the show, which basically means. And I know you know this, but just for people who have yeah, who don't no, there's know a lot it. of ri- writers and stand up comedians so you and stuff com- who listen to this. So you know, we've been doing comedy together for close to a decade, mm-hmm. and so you you sort of have to establish your name as someone who does stand up and sketch essentially. So I was doing tons of stand up every night for many years, trying to just get good at that and have people see that I'm good. And in the audience in LA, one of the benefits of it is if you're good, there are going to be people who work for different networks who see that and then report back to their bosses because Comedy Central is constantly scouting all of us and we don't even necessarily know they're just in the in the audience that shows and that's why you should be good every show because they might they'll start talking about you it's the assistant's jobs to kind of talk about you to their bosses um so you do that and then you know I was making sketches just like you forever with my group women and so I had Dave Ross on as very complimentary of your guys sketch group. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I saw that. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. So we I made sketches with those guys and also just with other people as well including you and different people and just tried to show that like I knew how to make things as well as I could be funny on stage. So eventually at a certain point if you do that enough manager comes calling and so you get with a manager and then they help you sort of you bounce ideas off of them about what kind of show you want to make. And I, Pat Bishop, who's in, who was kind of the director of the group Women, he and I always worked together on everything. And Matt was my roommate at the time. So Women was trying to make a show. Um, but then also Matt, Pat, and I were making sketches together. And we thought we would try to make a show as well. Because you have to pitch a lot of stuff in order to get one thing. I mean, you know, you do a million different things. It's, it's essentially... And there are so many things that uh, have never seen the day of light exactly. that people have no idea about. I think it's what people don't understand is how many things I've tried to do before one thing went. Sure. It's a constant working all the time, Had has so many projects. There are things I've worked on, I worked on for years that I'll be like, oh, right, I did that for years and I don't remember it. Like yeah. you do so many. It's like, it's like if you're in a band that makes it, you also were in seven other bands that didn't make it. That's just kind of how it works. So... Um, we came up with an idea for a show. Um, Matt had just gone to gotten the Comedy Central comics to watch. You know, there's a million different things like that. Just for laughs, which we've both done. Comics for laughs. These are essentially. Did com- you guys go out there the same year? No. You and Matt. I went a few years before, um, maybe one or two years before, and essentially what that does is it gets you in front of agents. It gets you in front of development executives. And that that gives you essentially an opportunity for a meeting. And at that meeting, they go, do you have any ideas? And then if you do, which you should be ready for that, when you do get one of those sort of showcases, you go, yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. Come in and pitch it. So we went in and pitched that show and they bought it for very little money. <laughs> and it takes a few months for the deal to get 
done because you you're you have a lawyer and then they're negotiating for months you don't you don't get to hear about any of it and then eventually after three or four months they're like just sign this is the most we could get and they're, you're signing this contract you don't understand that really makes you an indentured servant for seven years and you don't really have any idea because you're so desperate for any money and i was working at a chandelier store and really didn't want to anymore so i was like yeah whatever so you sign that and then after four months you get a kickoff call and they're like okay so uh, generally, let's talk about this show you sold us almost half a year ago, and you want to start outlining it, and you start outlining it. You send in an outline about what you, th- you know, who the characters basically are, and then what the basic story of the pilot would be. Mm-hmm. And they rejected our first outline, and then we came up with another one. And they're like, "Okay, go, go, go for it." You spend a, f- a few months writing that first draft. You're very nervous. You send it in. They're like, "Okay, we love it." Here's a million things to change. And the second draft, I would say, where it really needs to improve, because if you have a good second draft, um, that's when they'll show it to the president of the network and be like, "Oh, this is really good." Because you pretty much get three drafts and then a polish, it's where they just sort of like punch it up a right. little bit. So. At the second draft, we just really worked hard. We showed a bunch of friends, and we had them come over for a table read. We bought them dinner. Is this all good? Is this too much? No, no. I mean, I think that the people who are wanting to know the process are, okay. are truly okay. fascinated I just want to make sure, because this, this could be narcissistic. But essentially, no, I, I asked for it. <laughs> Tell me every detail, so, Jake. So basically, at what that point... What kind of pizza did you order for <laughs> Well, you, you know, there's gluten-free people. There's mm-hmm. also dairy-free people. But luckily, in L.A., there's vegan pizza. So, right. thank God. Um anyway shout out to cruiser pizza and los Feliz. but anyway you then what you should do is by the second draft have people come over have them read it so you can hear people saying the dialogue because sometimes it can sound well written but it doesn't sound or g- you'll be fascinated the way that somebody else reads it yes, you're like, like wait oh what? is that oh. who that character is right and then you ask for their notes have let people be brutally honest with you about the notes because all the thing that i think stops a lot of writers is people don't want to hear that their stuff is bad when really that's the best possible thing you could hear because two people are often too polite and it's like it's not a personal thing i'm telling you it's bad because i want it to be better tell me everything that doesn't make sense or isn't super funny about this all i want is for it to be funny i don't care if you think i'm funny i just want to get this made i mean that's the luxury that we have as stand-up comedians is we have that instant feedback every single night whenever we're going on stage and whenever we're writing a script we have to wait until sometimes a table read or a friend reading it or like a favor of like, hey, can you read this for me and give me some brutally honest yeah. notes? Yeah, exactly. And and that's and that's what you sort of get used to. So so we try to treat it as much as a stand up thing as possible. We get a lot of notes. And anytime you're asking for someone for asking someone for notes, just know that it's a huge favor to ask of someone. So buy them dinner or do something in response because it's a really big favor you're asking. You may not realize how 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 much you're asking of them. So we asked people, we had them come over for dinner, then we turned it in, showed it to our agents agents and managers. And by the second draft, they started to really like it. They only had a few things after that. For the third draft, we turned it in. And then it was like, the president wants to meet with you. So we drove... You're like, the president? Yeah, because he had no idea who we were. Because, you know, they give out tons of script deals, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lot of script deals every year, expecting that 98% of them won't get made. Yep. Um, Because most people don't even know how to write a scene. Like, that's the thing. It's like, people always think people who make it are amazing. It's like, sometimes the people who make it just literally know how to do the basic element of it, and there's no one else who can do it. And most stuff on TV is bad. So anyway... 
and you, that should inspire you. You should never be inspired by the amazing people. You should be inspired by the average people who make it. Yeah, you're like, I can do that. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. So um, then after that, we met with the president. He just he wanted to know who we were. He wanted to meet us. And he asked us a few questions about where the series would maybe go if it became a series. And we were like, we kind of bullshitted that. And then on the way home from that, we got the call that was like, okay, we're going to shoot the pilot, which was amazing to be able to shoot a pilot. So you got the call very quickly. As we left the building, That's he just a- wanted to meet us and make sure we weren't crazy. Yep. And he was stupid because we are. Um, so we, he said, we're shooting it. And then, you know, we, so honestly, by the time that it was all done, I, I mean, like, I think it was like a year until we shot the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And then you time. have to wait a few more months to find out once the pilot's done they have to focus test it yeah if it tested well and all bring it to new jersey bring it to chicago where normal people are and they'll be like it's stupid i like that fucking guy or i don't like that fucking guy or hey hey, what's up with that jew guy yeah 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 i mean i'm a jew but what's that guy doing yeah i mean come on man i could be in the movie it's not a movie it's a tv show i don't know oh then i don't like it i don't like (laughs) movies why is it i love that italians are still people we can mock (laughs) even though it's so racist (laughs) the way that i talk about italians it's like it's still so fun and what are they gonna do about it um but anyway uh dude in the 80s man <laughs> in the 80s any accent could go i know <laughs> like i know as comedians and like, now it's just italians yeah it's been limited <laughs> yeah and jews are fine for me though some jews get really upset if you make fun of jews and i get it because of the armenian genocide anyway um <laughs> what i would say is getting back to the script writing jake now so what else once is going that's on green lit it's like it's honestly two years or three years before your show is on air like that's mm-hmm. the thing so it's been i was 31 i think when we sold the project i'm 35 now and season two is about to go up on january 15th so that's like three and a half four years later yeah two seasons have been made so it's a really long process and i'd recommend really liking the idea you come up with because it could become your entire life wow yeah so pat bishop is uh the director of Mm -hmm. the women's sketch group and he's also the director of the show corporate he's amazing uh he is I, i love his work he's uh i actually don't know out of you know, all you guys, because he's not a stand-up comedian, is he? He was when he started, which is okay. how we met, but then he was smart because he's so good at directing. He's like, you know what? I can make a lot of money. I don't have to deal with the misery of stand-up. Right. So I'll just make things. Yeah. So I've only met Pat like maybe once or twice, but I've always loved his work. And I love the way that corporate is shot because it it fits, it fits the dark humor and vibe the way... It looks and everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, we kind of wanted to shoot it like a David Fincher movie, like like a Fight Club or Gone Girl, because you know so many comedy shows are shot like real way over lit, and it's like this big yeah. flat lighting. It's almost like it doesn't matter how it's lit. It's like it's, it's treated as if it's not even a movie or it's not a TV show. It's just like these are funny people doing improv, which can be really funny. But I guess I've just always loved movies. And yeah, we want way more cinematic feel yeah, to it. We yeah. wanted to make it look like a movie because my favorite things essentially are dramas with jokes in them. Like if you watch The Sopranos, it looks like an amazing movie, but there's so many jokes in it. And I think the jokes hit harder because part of the joke is we made this look so incredible. We spent millions of dollars to make this look incredible for you to tell a dick joke. Like that's awesome. That's like get it. That's like a con of some sort. And that's why it's so awesome. Like Everyone forgets that Airplane, which is one of the best comedies of all time, essentially is a drama about something going wrong in a plane, but it has absurd jokes, but it's shot like a drama. It's treated like a drama, except for the absurd jokes. So I think when you watch it, 
your brain is like, oh my God, I'm watching something serious. And then it's like, why is he joking about his dick? That makes it even better because it oh, yeah. looks like a drama. Yeah. Like even like that that one uh scene where uh it's like it's like he's fighting off the Mormons or whatever. It's shot like do you do you know what I'm talking about? You, like in the airport? Is that airplane one or two? Are you ta- I thought you were talking about our shows like Mormons? <laughs> yeah. Mormons. <laughs> I think it's airplane two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's literally it but it's shot like an action scene. Yeah. Like it's super serious. Like, hey, can we tell you give me a minute of your time to uh, talk about the church latter-day saints? And he's like literally fighting them off and yeah. it's played so real. Yeah, and I think that's what we wanted it to feel like because we want it to be extremely well written, like satire, but we want it to look like it could be on TNT and it's called suits. Because we kind of want to make fun of that like when you watch dramas really any drama on tv you're like guys calm down like this is so ridiculous real life is so boring and banal and just sort of like could you get this copy made you know it's just wave but they're like no everything is so intense and um i think that's kind of what we wanted to make fun of a little bit is how intense everything is and then just sort of making silly little gags uh come out of it yeah Dude, I love that. That's a great like introspect into like how just the process of that because every everybody, especially like you know when we're all starting out as comedians, it's literally a question like how does that even yeah you, you know you're literally lost you're just searching like how does this happen and how does this get made and how does it's what's scary the and yeah. essentially like and it's part of what our our duty is to demystify the process and just yeah. be like here's what it is I did stand up forever I made sketches forever and they were pretty good for like six or seven years a manager came i was like i want to make a tv show how do i do that they send me sort of sample treatments which is just like here's what a show is here's the characters we would pitch here's the synopsis of the show um here's where it could go in future seasons and then they they pitch you to they pitch you to networks and different production companies to be like here's this person will you meet with them you get to meet with them and if you're impressive enough you get to pitch the show and then a lot of times it does get sold I mean, I've also not sold a lot of stuff. I've pitched like 10 shows. Yeah. And only one's gone, but that's what you have to do. You kind of have to be an idea factory and you have to be not afraid to fail. And this, I think, really the thing that stand-up teaches you is if you fail, that's actually good for you. Yeah, um, and grow from the it. people who succeed are the ones who don't care about failing and know that it only makes them stronger. And if you want to do it, you can do it. I'm just a dumb Jew from New York. <laughs> that's my version of LeBron. <laughs> just a kid from Cleveland. <laughs> That's a, that should be like one of your uh, inspirational posters that you sell. <laughs> and the Jewish like journal is really stuff, like, I'm just a dumb Jew from New York. Eating a bagel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People are like, oh. No, I think it should be you. <laughs> I think you should be the one. That should be your I'm just a dumb Jew, Jew from, from New York. York. <laughs> you would get in so much trouble. So much and I would trouble. love it. <laughs> yeah. Be like, no, no, no. He gave me the Jewish cards. Like, not this much. This is too much leeway that you gave them. <laughs> Let's get into this next segment, fanning out. Fanning out. Ooh, I reached out to the internet. I asked them if you could ask Jake Weissman any question, what would it be? And I got some heaters for you. This one is from uh, a fellow uh, stand-up comedian, Jake M. Adams three on Instagram. Will he ever get married? Oh, Jake, that's interesting. Um, my hope is that I don't because my father got divorced three times and my mother got divorced twice. And I think divorce is in my blood. I think it's just genetically who I am. Yeah. That being said... Do you think some people are, are prone to not 
staying married full time versus like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think it's, I mean, I'm sort of joking genetically, but I think if you grow up and you see divorce happen, you're like, oh, marriage isn't necessarily forever. Do you know what I mean? Where it's some people, yeah. like some people, if they come from stable homes and they see, oh no, look, you can make it work. Like you, you just keep loving them. <laughs> then in your head, marriage is forever. But I think now we live in a culture, I know you're married, but obviously so many people get divorced. And I of think course. a lot of people, if you have divorced parents, it's harder to be like, marriage is definitely forever. I have divorced parents. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like, it's complicated. And I think, I think just sort of the way that I saw conflict happen, it's like, oh, you just walk away and never deal with it. <laughs> so I have oh, to work. that's an easy result. I have to work against that. However, because I've already had spinal surgery and I do think marriage eventually just becomes about picking someone up at the hospital, I do think I will force someone to be the person who picks me up from the hospital at some point, so I'll make someone marry me. Um, I have a feeling that even though I'm sort of against it, um, because I don't th- I think it's kind of for me scary and insane. I have a feeling I'll end up doing it. Okay. Do you like being married? I do actually. That's really nice. Yeah. I think you can make it. I just wonder if I can. I just think I'm like annoying. I, and it's like kind of crappy to have to deal with me all the time because I'm like always have a headache and I never sleep. And it's like, does someone really want someone loves me that much? They want to always be around. I don't know. I think uh, we're getting an interesting call right now. Oh, we now. are. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing on my caller ID. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I got it over here. Your spine is actually calling in wow. to uh, to the show. Hello, hey, uh, hey, this is uh, this is uh, this is Jake's spine, man. Why uh, did you do all that shit to me, man? Ha 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 ha, man, you know how it is sometimes, you know, sometimes you just gotta fall apart and stuff, man. Okay, you're right, I forgive you. Oh, man, okay, that was a simple resolve of this this problem, man. (laughs) I'm just kidding, I don't. Wait, what? Well, because here's the thing, it was really painful. Yeah, I know, man, like, you know, we all be going through stuff. (laughs) Oh, wow, you're such a wise bone. Yeah, man, Do do you even know how long I am? I, I'm just trying to remember if you're bigger than my dick. You got a 48-inch dick? It's 46. 46? Oh, hell yeah, yeah. It's terrible because when I have to go come, I need all the blood in my body just to keep it half hard, and I pass out. So having a 46-inch dick has been the worst part of my life. Here's what I'm going to say, okay? I actually am not the whole spine that's calling in. Yeah. I'm that 1%. You always wanted to know who you came from. Well, guess what? Barry White? Yeah, Barry White. Damn. Yeah, your spine is from Barry White. Wow. That's why I'm so virile. That's why you're so virile. You're so potent with your sexuality now. Because you got a little bit of Barry White in your spine. This is really great. I don't know what I'm going to do with this information. Because literally no one will believe me. And also... People will say that it is a little controversial. Well, I don't know, man. You you ninety nine percent Jew and you one percent Barry White, and now I'm ninety nine percent Barry White and one percent Jew. Don't you think that's harder for me to handle than it is for you? You're Sometimes blowing. I speak in riddles. <laughs> 
This has been the best phone call of my life and one that'll keep me thinking way after the fact. Yeah, yeah. I think this might keep you up at night. And then every time from that point forward, whenever you put me on, when you put me on, when you listen to my music, baby, when you're putting girls in the mood, you'll be like, well, I'm actually with you. So the deal is going to get done. When I play your music. When you play my music. On Spotify. When you play my spoon on Spotify. Do you get excited? Do you hear Oh, man, man. The 27th vertebrae starts wiggling and waggling. We start going wild in the sheets, man. Man, I love it when you put me on Spotify. I'm a little bit of a narcissistic spine, too, man. I got to say, I love my own hits. Well, I got to go. Uh, it was nice uh, catching up, but I figured that you uh, owed uh, knowing who the rest of your spine was. It's really good news. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Wow. I can't believe that uh, you have a part celebrity in your... It just seems... Is he still alive? I thought I he was... I think he's dead. Is I he? think that's how I got his spine. That's probably why. It would be weirder if he was alive. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, he's just giving out pieces of his spine to random dumb Jews from New York. I mean... It seems wasteful. It's like, there's people who need it more. <laughs> and ellipses underneath <laughs> underneath me with a bagel saying I'm a dumb Jew from New York. I also have part of Barry White's spine. It's all on that weird poster. Anywho. Uh, man, sometimes uh, those phone calls really derail uh, the podcast, but uh, I think in a good way. <laughs> At DTLA Eric on Instagram, Jake is one of the kindest and most inspirational social media influencers. What are the things that inspire Jake to bring his positivity online to share with the rest of us? <laughs> well, I really want attention, um, apparently. And so I feel now DTLA Eric is obviously being he's he's Facetious. been a jokester he's, he's been a little around, jokey which i think is dangerous but which we should talk about i think that um everyone is is so unhappy nowadays and it's so clear i mean just if you watch the political spectrum of what's going on even if you don't care about it you are affected daily by everyone's incessant incessant um anger and depression and so when I see on social media like Instagram, I see people pretending they're happy. It's like really upsetting to me because I know they're lying. And yeah. I feel like I just don't want people to lie. I feel like all the lies that we were told as kids about um, just like how good life works out and just like, oh, it's so easy. It It's kind of abusive. It's like, it's like I feel like a lot of stuff, it's almost religious even if it's not religious, it's like you find a nice woman and you marry them and everyone's happy. It's like life is really hard. And I wish you told me at like age five, like obviously it would have been a little scary, but it also be like, just so you know, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be a rocky road. And I feel like I personally would have rather known that it was going to be really hard. So my expectations aren't constantly (laughs) destroyed every minute of every day. Even when things go well, there's so much terrible shit that comes with it. And, um, I wish I'd known that. So I'm just trying to prep the kids to let them know that life is a nightmare so that that way, if life's better than a nightmare, they can be pleasantly surprised. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite speaking on like, I mean, you know, I, I've definitely been, I mean, part of social media perception is like that 
things are good. You know what I mean? Yeah, things are good. Things are hey guys, nothing's nothing. I'm not a wrong. human, so it's, everything's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm definitely I've definitely been guilty of that before. Uh, some of my favorite Instagram posts uh are from Brody Stevens eating dinner alone. Oh, Have you seen so those? Funny. Yes, dude, he will take a shot from across a Chipotle of him acting like he's eating dinner with somebody across from him and nobody's there. And that's just like, that's true slice of life stuff. Yeah. Like we're not Instagram like, hey, I'm alone at Chipotle right now. Having a great time. See you guys. You know what I mean? We're usually with other people. Exactly. And like, but those moments where we're alone, like eating silently, like we're not he like, is putting that out there. One of the most incredible people ever, really. Just he's also quite revolutionary in general and how he uses social media and how honest and raw he is. It's pretty. There'll be documentaries. Ha- about have him. you ever seen him close out uh, the main room? Yeah. Oh my! The energy goodness. it takes is stunning, and Dude. the fearlessness is while still being vulnerable. Oh yeah, like he's so fearless but so vulnerable. I've never seen any. It's the most original thing almost ever. Yeah. And the way he keeps people for so long, he's like, ah, okay, couple, a couple more, and then we'll get out of here. That's like 15 minutes into his set, and then he has them there for another hour. It's crazy. I love it. Um, Unbelievable. Shout out to Stephen Brody. Stevens, at uh, Andre Tibbs on Instagram, how can we end corporate suffering? I think you need to just get out of the job. The thing about, this is a serious thing, but you... Corporate the laws are in corporations' favor, and because we live in a intensely capitalist nation that does prize making money over everything, and that's just kind of what it is, and probably will be that for as our lifetimes. I don't think it'll ever really change um, while we're alive. I think you just need to go get a different type of job um, because it's if you work for a corporation, they have rules, they do a thing a certain way, the laws are in their favor. They're never going to give a shit about you. Have you, you ever worked for a corporate kind of company? Because I work this- for Viacom now. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. There and you go. even working within Viacom, I can see the ways in which it's structured. There are just rules that don't make any sense, but they're there because they're there and you can't do anything about it. I, I mean, I've worked with Viacom for years and there's some stuff that uh, that we've, we've had axed from Roast Battle exactly. that we definitely disagreed with. Exactly. But that's just how it goes. It's just how it goes. And it's like, obviously, thankful, thankful to the corporations who are paying our rent. We're it's working. why we can do this right now. But it is complicated because the people at the top want to make a ton of money and they're giving health insurance to people and they're paying everyone. But there are just these things they don't want. It's like, what can you even do? You're not that powerful. You can't do anything. So go get a job outside of the corporate sector. Otherwise, you're never going to be... It's a losing battle to try to defeat capitalism. In season two of Roast Battle, uh, I had to hop on uh, the phone with uh, the president of Viacom because I kept going back and forth with some of the different execs about like this bit that we wanted to do for Roast Battle with the wave. And I ended up having to hop on with a VP or like a president. <laughs> and uh, he's like, you cannot do this and this is why and the bit was we it was right around the time um where uh like uh you know trump was like accused of like you know liking like golden showers or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. so we were gonna do a bit where i dressed up as trump uh-huh. i had like the red hat and everything and jamar and willie were going to be pissing on me uh <laughs> <laughs> and we had you know yellow gatorade sure, sure and stuff that it, i was just gonna be like loving it and stuff and they're like you can't do that because that's defamation of character 
like and all this like they start listening to all the things and like it's the president you can't piss on the president i was like can we piss around the president <laughs> <laughs> well that's the funny thing is like i want to do Those a negotiations. show i want to do a show about entertainment lawyers and like yeah. the kinds of discussions they have oh, to yeah. have is just like it's insane because yeah, that's so, so funny. So what we agreed upon is they're like, you're do you cannot let anything hit the president. We're like literally going back and forth. And they're like, I was like, okay, what if we like cross the streams like a Ghostbusters kind of thing? And that's what they ended up settling. And they're like, if you don't shoot it on the actual like your depiction of of the president and you're doing it like around him, that's fine. We'll let that air. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So they ended up shooting P streams across, which, you know, is in my opinion just as bad as like, you know, but they just didn't want me like getting on my face and like me acting like I was lapping it up and stuff like that. Unreal. Anyway, that's uh, some of the uh, <laughs> behind the scenes of uh, the wave. What happens oh uh, with uh, the bits that I pitch? It is weird. That is really a lot of what your job becomes. Is you work all these years like in your room trying to come up with bits, and then you get the job, and it's like. Well, I just want to piss in the president's face. Why can't I? That's can my I dream. Do that? It's artistic expression. <laughs> it's like, what am I? I'm not helping anyone here right now. <laughs> uh, this is from at Blue Collar Memes. Uh, is Jake actually dead inside? Thoughts on cats? Corporate was surprisingly amazing. <laughs> am I dead inside? I think I'm wildly alive inside and hypersensitive which i assume you are too i think i'm an extremely sensitive person who like feels pain much easier than most people so that forces me to talk about how nothing matters in order to deal with the pain because if everything mattered as much as i felt it does i would explode physically right sure. here and there would be dumb jew brain skull all over you and I mean, so they'd be bagel they'd be cream cheese yeah <laughs> <laughs> There'd be locks. I mean, the place would be a mess. <laughs> so I think that I think that I I feel like I want to be dead inside sometimes because of how sensitive I am, and I think most comedians are like this. Um, but am I actually dead inside? No, I just wish I were. I love cats. I think they're the best animals alive. Shout out to my shirt. Shout out to cats in general. Shout out to Pebbles and Chicks. You have a lot of great cat shirts. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, like, that's why you had me in the cat sketch. I mean, yeah. yeah. I thought of you. I mean, I, I, wrote, I wrote it for you. <laughs> you did. It was I very did. sweet of you. Yeah. Uh, I like this question a lot. At Clintstagram on Instagram, if you could have an awkward elevator conversation with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Luther Vandross. Oh. Yeah, I think he's dead. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I don't really know much about him. I just know he's a person. And I, all, and I think he's really talented. I would have nothing to say to him. And I could be sure he would not give a shit about anything I would have to say. But I would also see myself being like, I'm a huge fan. Even though I'm not a huge fan, I just kind of like what he does when I hear it. I'm like, oh, that's Luther? He's pretty good, that Luther Vandross. And I think that it would be just unbelievably unsatisfying for the both of us because I, I know who he is. He doesn't know who I am. He's much older or dead. And it would just be about music, which I don't really know anything about technically. Like, I love music, but I don't know anything about it. So it would be wildly unsatisfying, and he would leave unsettled, and I would leave frustrated. You would want to have a conversation with Barry White? Um, no, I already did, kind of. And it, the thing is, once Barry White is 1% of you, it's not that interesting anymore. Man, spines feel things, too. Oh, that's so true. 
I guess I didn't even consider that I you could hurt your feelings. You didn't even consider your spine. You didn't even consider your spine, man. I feel things too. I didn't like, you know, I, I'm the guy who replaced the painful part of your spine. Okay. I came in and saved you, man. Well, this is what I'm talking about. I can't even make Barry White happy. How the hell am I going to placate Luther Vandross? I don't know. Do you know Luther? Of course I know Luther. Bad guy? Oh, the worst. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Man, I can't stand that guy. He, he likes murder. He bit and... off more than he could chew. Yeah. I got to go back to your back, man. All right. Wow. Yeah, I don't uh, I'm not too familiar with Luther Vandross, but apparently it would be horrible cuz I, I if if you if I let's say I knew it was Luther, it'd be like, oh, "I got to say something, it's Luther Vandross." But then it would be like, "What what would I be like, I'm a huge fan." And what if he was like, "What's your favorite album of mine?" I know. And I'd be like, "Luther Vandross 2, <laughs> Volume 2." And he'd be like, "Oh, yeah, that was a good one." I've been in some audition rooms where I, I look back on them like would it I, I'm like yeah it probably would have been really unprofessional for me to say anything which I, I never do yeah but there's a couple times where I really wanted to I went in on a commercial audition and I, I got a call back for it where randomly Tim and Eric were directing it and I was like oh my I didn't say anything but uh, that's pretty cool yeah I was in a I was in a audition room with John Heater, who was Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. And I was just sort of like, I'm sorry that you still have to audition against me. Like, you're so much better than me. And I saw your movie in college and it was so funny. And now I'm in the same room as you. I felt just bad about it. I was like, can you just give it to him? Yeah, that, this isn't even the right. Yeah, it just depresses me that I have access to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get that. Uh, at Nercore on Instagram. Are you the knife guy? I was. You were. Yeah. Explain to uh, the listeners. I had an viewers. Instagram account, um, which has now been deactivated by me, uh, where I just posted pictures of knives for seven years, I think, <laughs> because I just think Instagram is the falsest platform for most people, because most people are just like, "Look, I'm happy with my girlfriend," you know, and it's like you guys don't even like each other. Like I know you guys, and you're so full of shit. Um, so I just posted knives because it just seems so upsetting for people to be looking at pictures of like their grain bowl and then happy couples and a baby. And then why is this man <laughs> posting a photo of a knife? I just thought eventually if I were to be able to get successful, it would become a thing. But then it just got a little scary. Like and then it's like, OK, this is like six years later. And sometimes people have been like, you're the knife guy. I love knives. And it's like, I don't want to know you, you know, right. It it's gets, attracting the maybe the wrong people that yeah. you're like, you're like, oh, you're you don't get this you right. like it for the wrong reason. yeah you reasons. like it because you want to stab my heart out and, yeah. and eat it and it's like like selena i always think of selena the pop singer she was killed i was like i'm if i get famous so i'm gonna get stabbed yeah. selena style it's just not gonna be good <laughs> and somebody taking a selfie over <laughs> yeah and, as they have and i would deserve it i would deserve it but i have been sent so many knives over the years and i thought it oh, was really? funny for a, oh so many free knives i got i have so many knives knives scare the shit out of me i just thought it was like a funny joke to make fun of instagram because it's just like look here's this dumb joke i'm doing for five or six or seven years and i'm not stopping um i thought it was a really funny joke but 
now it then it got scary and it's like I just need to get off Instagram. But now I have an Instagram making fun of people called Honest Couple where we just make fun of happy couples and we talk about what they're really feeling underneath. So it's like photos of happy couples and then just like um he's only made me come twice in two years. Like so it's like that that's what I'm now making fun of. So it's better than the knives. Yeah. More fulfilling. Yeah. I uh I in Kansas whenever uh I grew up there, I used to collect knives. I was one of those kids Whoa. that loved knives. I used to go to uh, gun and knife shows with my dad, mm. and I would get like new knives there, and I like loved it. It just scares me. I feel like when I'm holding a knife, I could just cut something off right now, yeah. and so I get nervous that I would do that. I used to like <laughs> looking back. Either it's just like the proximity of where I was living, or slightly serial killer behavior. I would sharpen my knives. Like yeah. I'd make sure that they were really sharp and like clean and just like it's scary. It's like, you know? Yeah, it's scary. It's <laughs> have really those scary. wet stones, have those dry stones. Yeah, it's scary. And it's crazy that we have these murder weapons in our houses. All of us. We all have things that could kill people in our houses, in our drawer. You don't have to register them or anything. You can just kill someone with them. Have you seen Bird Box yet? No, but I lived it. <laughs> So I don't need to see it. <laughs> That's my favorite review of the movie ever. I Have you seen it. Bird Box? I was too busy I living it. it. Too yeah. busy living it. Yeah. <laughs> too busy living in this post-apocalyptic mess. Uh, last question, then we'll move on to Sax Talk. Uh, I rarely have somebody who asks two questions that I really like, but this is another good one. At Clinstagram, once again, if you could be in cahoots with any 90s sitcom star, who would it be? Oh my God, cahoots! First of all, cahoots. cahoots. So let's start there. That's if I could be in cahoots with someone, um, I want to know is what that Clint really Instagram meant. Instagram Jewish. <laughs> if you could be in cahoots with anybody, Jake, I I think that the person closest to my point of view is George Costanza from Seinfeld. He just is so so narcissistic and so mean <laughs> and for some reason dates people out of his league and also just isn't a good person but seemingly has a decent life. I think that's kind of who I want to be in my greatest fantasy. Like I feel like if I could get together with George, I could live out my id. Like he could just do all this horrible stuff, but I think it would work out in my What's favor. What's his name? Jason um Jason something is his name, right? George Costanza, the guy who plays him? Um, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. Yeah. yeah. And he just, I think he's just for like a, he doesn't look very good and he's so funny, but and he, and he constantly is doing horrible things and feeling nothing about it. I think for the guy who asked me, uh, am I really dead inside? I want to be that dead inside so I can do way worse shit because being a sociopath really gets you far in life. I guess so. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into this final segment, Sax Talk. All right, Jake Weissman is now going to share a story of a sexual encounter while I follow him along with some sweet, sweet saxophone from my new sax from Menchie Music in Pennsylvania. Shout out to Seth Miller and David Knowles. So... Quick plug before you get into it. <laughs> Sax Talk brought to you by Menchie Music in Pennsylvania. Whenever you're ready, Jake. So this is one of the worst things that ever happened to me sexually. I was in college and um, I met a woman through my closest friend in college. And we started sort of long distance dating. We 
sort of dated almost over AOLIM um, ba- back when that was a thing. And eventually we visited each other and started dating. And she was very mentally ill, um, which I don't think I fully realized um, at the time. And we were dating for a while and she would drink a lot and just say really fucked up shit to me. I remember one time she was visiting me. Um, I went to school in Nashville, Tennessee. She came down to visit me. And she drank several bottles of Franzia or several boxes of Franzia. And we were having sexual intercourse. And then she went down on me. So much so that I ejaculated. So then I was I felt great and she came up to kiss me right away, which I said yes to, because I think it's unfair to not kiss someone after they go down on you, even though, you know, obviously like, okay, they've just swallowed cum or whatever. So she kisses me, and as she kisses me, she wraps her arms around my neck, and so I can't have air, holds me to her, and opens her mouth, and forces my ejaculate into my mouth, and then clamps down on my neck until I swallow my own ejaculate. So I then swallowed it. I was completely shocked by it. I, I had not said I wanted to do that and was really upset. And I had also had a bunch of wine. Franzia. So then I ran to the bathroom and my first instinct, I don't know what it was, was to vomit all over the bathroom A combination of Franzia and my cum. And I went back to the room and I was horrified and traumatized. And I looked at her and I said, what the hell was that? And she looked at me in the eyes unblinking and she said, every guy should know what that feels like one time. And I've been traumatized ever since. Very intense. And what I will say to people out there is um, people are very, um, men and women are both very delicate creatures. And it's very important to ask that they're okay with what you're going to do before you do them. I recommend it. (laughs) Sorry for how intense that was, but that was a very intense moment. Essentially, she did sexually assault me. One of my favorite sax talks yet. (laughs) I mean, it had everything there. I mean, I am blown away by that. Now, have you since then accidentally or like tasted 
You're, yeah, I you, think I've tasted it since then. I'm not against it. It's just I didn't want it forced down my throat without knowing it was coming. I mean, I, I guess it is good that I know what it's like because you are asking a lot out of someone, it turns out. But <laughs> <laughs> but it was extremely traumatizing at the time, and it was very bad for her to do that. And when, probably illegal. When Went from sax talk real quick to cum talk. Yeah. Now, we're talking with Jake Weissman today on the taste of his jism. And uh, it's not that great. Um, and uh, thank you to anyone who's ever done it. I know what you went through now. <laughs> I feel like there's like bros out there like, dude, my, my cum my tastes cum great, bro, good. dude. Like, it tastes like freaking lavender. I used to have a joke about like, because they say that if you have pineapple, if you eat a lot of pineapples, it makes your cum taste better. And it's like... No, that's not true like that's the most bullshit thing ever because there's no there's no way to test that in a lab like like the testers that you pay are just going to be like whatever the first one is if that has pineapple that's fine you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it tastes better great i don't want to taste cum there's no way to know there's no like someone who's like here's cum without pineapple and here's cum with pineapple it's like oh that one's better no one is tasting this stuff i've i've got a joke that i that i still do in my act i'll i'll give it away on this podcast uh where uh, I say, um, I did a study recently where, um, or wow, I just messed up my own joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the worst? Isn't that great? Um, anywho, I've got a, a joke about pineapple juice. Dude, just crushes live. But like on podcasts, it's, it doesn't translate. No, so it doesn't. It can't. It can't. Um, dude, I've loved having you on the show. Uh, Please plug corporate and everything else that you got going on because it's coming out on January 15th, the second season. Yes, uh, second season, January 15th at 10.30 p.m. on Comedy Central. You can also watch the first season at cc.com or on the Comedy Central app um, until January 15th for free. So, yeah, please watch the first season. I think it's a really good show. Season two is great. We got a lot of great comedians in there. January 15th, 10.30 p.m. Comedy Central corporate. Yeah, I uh, I saw on the uh, the season premiere, season two, uh, Jay Larson mm-hmm. is one of the guests. Dude, he is so funny the funniest in that episode. Dude. Comedy store regular, fantastic guy. Yeah. Fellow comedy store regular, Jake Weissman. Fellow comedy store regular, Jeremiah Watkins, the Jew. Hello, the Jew. I've had a pleasure. Love you, buddy. Thanks for doing the show. Thanks, buddy.